Hooray! You made it to the second half of my interview with Kent Sanders, writer, podcaster extraordinaire. I'm not going to bog you down with a lot of intro here. We're just going to get right into part two. If you missed part one, I suggest you start there. You talk about the lost art of listening and how you taught that in your classes of how people could be more active listeners. Mm -hmm. I don't always feel like I'm the best listener and I know lots of other people struggle with that. So, okay, put, put the old teaching cap on, uh, give us a few minutes here of tips, tricks to kind of help us be better active listeners. I'm going to suggest three things and I hope I can remember all these three things. Um, in my head, I have three things that I wanted to say, but, uh, let's see if I can, you can write them down. It's okay. I have um, to, cause I'll forget it. Okay. The first thing I think that's important is to remember that people's number one emotional need is to feel affirmed and validated and accepted and seen and heard. People want to know that they matter. That is, that is our number one need that we have emotionally as humans. Now, you know, we have the need to have shelter and have companionship and have food and safety and all those things. But, you know, when it comes to self-actualization, you know, I guess going back to like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of a thing. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you said it because it was going on in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to that, people want to know that their life matters, that their life has meaning. And in today's world where everything's going so fast and a lot of things have been shaken up, people are looking for stability and they're looking for peace and joy and those things that we all want in life. And one of the places that we look to those things is through other people. So I just kind of work on the principle that basically anything that you can do to help people feel affirmed or valued as a person is really, really important. And I think that's the best way into people's hearts also. Like when I get on onto to calls with prospective ghostwriting clients or people who are interested in my daily writer club membership group for writers. I don't try to sell anything. I just try to listen. That's really, that's my number one sales tactic. Honestly, is I just listen and I ask questions and I try to repeat back to people, the things that are important to them. Uh, for example, just before we got on this podcast interview, I had a mastermind call with, um, with somebody there's just one person in the group right now. And I just listened most of that call. And I tried to repeat back some things that I was hearing and ask good questions. And I find that that's really basically what listening is. It's just trying to key into what just, what is important to this person? What are they trying to tell me? What are they, what things are they not saying? And I think that's a really important thing because the words that we say a lot of times are designed to conceal what we really think about something. You know, if you have an interaction with somebody, you might be talking about whatever. And a lot of times our, our words are saying one thing, but our body language and our eyes, our tone of voice, it's really saying something else. And if you're, if you pay attention to people, you can pick up on that. I think it does take some practice. So I don't really believe what people say most of the time. And I don't mean that we're all out to deceive other people, but I do mean that the nature of how we communicate as people is we, we don't really want people to know what we're thinking a lot of times. So, 
so our words are designed to kind of shift people away from how we really feel um, into an area that feels more comfortable and safe and doesn't involve any conflict. So I just try to give people a safe space um, to have a conversation or to, to talk about things or to share what's really on their heart or their mind, depending on the, the context and the relationship and the situation and all that. So that's kind of how I approach listening. I, I don't really think it's, it has to be this big complicated thing. I think mostly it means just, just shutting up and, and listening to the person and asking questions and being empathetic to, to their point of view and to how they feel. So like last night, my wife and I went to dinner, she was talking about something just to collect a life issue that was important to her. And I just tried to listen with no judgment, with no expectation of trying to solve anything. Just, just, you know, tell me more. I really just want to listen. And I think that that alone is really, really powerful with people. We don't have to be the solutions person. We don't have to have all the answers. I think by and large, people don't really want answers. I think people want to feel like somebody else is listening without judgment. We can pretty much solve our own problems. We know what we should do, but we don't always have somebody who's listening empathetically and really making us feel like they understand us and they value us, even though we know sometimes we're doing wrong things or I'm messing up or I keep making the same mistake over and over and over again for the millionth time. We, we just want to know that we're valued. And I feel like if we can bring that to our relationships, that's, that's something that is so rare that that skill alone, I think, can really go a long way. You are a really good listener. And I, wait, wait, I'm what? not. I'm sorry. I didn't, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a bad joke. I, I'm so bad at this solving. I am the worst about being a solver. Hmm. And when we talked earlier about traits that are passed on, that is a family trait. Interesting. Because that's the same thing my parents do. You know, when I talk to them, or if I talk to my mom and I'm and I'm just I'm just like I need to have a good wine hmm. immediately. She's going in and she's like, okay, do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't need you to solve. I'm just talking. And I do it to my husband and it drives him crazy. <laughs> so we've we're we're still working on on perfecting our system and i've told him i'm like you need to tell me up front this is not a solution conversation i just want you to listen because if he'll tell me i'm like oh okay all right i will shut down as much as i can the solution person or at least gagger Mm -hmm. and then just try to listen to what you're saying because my instant mode is to solve the problem it's not the best communication trait and I irritate my friends, but I, that, that one I, I I notice about myself. I just can't always stop it in time. (laughs) It's hard to, and I know in, especially in the field of teaching, you have, you know, you don't really get a break during the day of any substance. So you have all this stuff, all these emotions that have piled up and probably at the end of the day, you just, you have this whole bucket of things you just want to put somewhere and it helps to have somebody to, to listen to those. Or you just want to put a lid on it and set it on fire. <laughs> and put it on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true.
you have suggested several actions in your book on ways to make the world a little better, connect to people, Hmm. and thus making yourself an improved individual. You listed share positive gossip. Mm -hmm. I love that phrasing. I thought it was a bold choice because we always think of like gossip is this negative thing. And you're like, no, share positive gossip. Explain that. All it is, is, is sharing little bits of something that somebody has done that's positive and just sharing that with people in, in ways that are kind of gossipy, meaning we're not trying to do some big formal thing. We're just, Hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? This was really cool. Um, did you hear about the book that somebody came out with and maybe posting about that on social media or mentioning somebody to a friend who might need to be connected to them? Basically, it's it's finding finding ways to share positive things about people with somebody else. And then if if you can, making sure the person you're talking about knows that you gossiped positively about them. I know it sounds maybe I'm overcomplicating it, but no, basically, I, it's I want to I want to take somebody take something somebody's doing that's cool. I want to share it with other people or with this other person, and I want the other person to know I'm talking I'm talking good about them. Talking what well? What's the word? Talking positively. I did that with one of my early podcasts. I I did an episode on Huga. And one of the things that's part of Huga is is using candles. Hmm. And there's this brand of candles, Northern Lights candles. I love them. They don't drip. They're the most amazing. I have tried so many candles. I'm a candle nut. I love these candles. So I went on and on about these candles. And then I wrote the company a message saying, hey, I buy your candles. I love your candles. I mentioned you in my podcast. Here's a link so you can listen. Maybe you want to share this with the people who make the candles because we don't often get a pat on the back and say, attaboy. <laughs> and they were like, well, thank you. You know, that, that was really nice to hear because most of the time, if we're angry, we'll leave a comment. Hmm. But we're really bad about remembering to do the positive comments and you know, that you're putting more positivity out there. And I, I just love that. I think I, I agree. You have to be intentional about it though. It doesn't come naturally to us and it doesn't happen by accident. And I, I wish I was better about it. I try to be aware of it every day, but I, I don't always do the job of it that I wish that I could do because it does take a little time and effort and, and some emotional energy, you know, for me to go on Facebook and say, Hey guys, my friend has a new book out. You guys should check it out post a link. I mean, it takes maybe a minute, but it still is. It, it, it takes a little bit of energy for me to do that and for me to try and be thoughtful about it. But I think the more that you do it, it does become more second nature. You not only wrote your own book, the, the 18 words and others. Um, you work as a ghostwriter, as you mentioned, you recently collaborated on quite a project called the faith of Elvis, a story only a brother can tell. I'm Mm -hmm. really interested in hearing about this book and what that 
whole adventure was like, what it's like being a ghostwriter, that kind of thing. Yeah. So this was a really, really fun project. It was something I had, I had never really done a project like this before. And the way this came about was that, okay, let, let me see if I can sort of backtrack a little bit. So I'm good friends with, uh, well, with a lot of writers, but a specific writer in my circle, she connected me with a friend of hers who's a ghost writer. She's been a ghost writer for a long time. And one thing that ghost writers do, just like any other industry, is we refer work to each other sometimes, where if something isn't a good fit for us, we'll connect them with our friend who does the same thing that we do, but they maybe have a different genre they specialize in, or they have a different skill set or whatever it is. So this other friend, uh, she connected me with a literary agent who needed help with a specific client project she was working on. So basically this agent had an author she was working with and this, this author doesn't really write their own books. They have writers help with it, which is super common. And this author needed help with a book that he was working on, but there was a situation where some, some writer had dropped out or I forget what the situation was, but anyway, so this ghostwriter friend connected me with the agent and I did a little bit of work for her on this book and then it got stalled out, which happens all the time. It's not unusual. It's just like the movie industry where, you know, you'll, you'll hear about this movie's in development and then for some reason it just stops being in development. There are a lot of things that have to come together for a book project for it to actually move forward, specifically when you're talking about traditional publishers, because you have the publisher, you have the author, you have the agent. And if it has a ghostwriter, they all have to sort of be going in the same direction for it to work out. So that one didn't work out. But then a short time later, the same agent got a hold of me and said, hey, we urgently need a writer for this Elvis book project. Uh, are you available to do it? Because it has a very quick timeline. Things came together for this project really, really fast, which doesn't always happen. And we're, she said, we're looking for somebody who has a background in Bible or church ministry because this is a religious type of a book. And can you do it? Can you do that? First of all, second of all, can you do it fast? You know, are you available to do it? So I was like, yeah, of course. So that's how that all came about. And it was really, really fun to work on. I worked directly with Elvis Presley's stepbrother, Billy Stanley. We had a ton of phone calls, gathering stories, figuring out the shape of the book. And um, then it just, you know, from there goes through the editing phases and all that stuff with the publisher. And it was a blast to work on. It was really, really fun. I, I loved it. It's my first traditionally published book. And I would be lying if I said it wasn't really fun to work to walk into a Barnes and Noble and see your book sitting there. That's really a fun experience. Ah, uh, the dream. <laughs> it, it was it was really fun. I, I would say the the fun though, you know, just being really transparent with you, the fun of that only lasts for a few moments. Because as a, as an author, you sort of think, wow, the big goal is to like have a book in a bookstore and to have a, a, a book with a traditional publisher and, and all that. And then my experience was when I went into the bookstore and saw it there, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Okay, what's next? You know, it was really cool, but then it wasn't like this huge ecstatic, you know, experience that lasts for days where you're on cloud nine. It was really cool. And I was really grateful for it. Um, rather than feeling... Rather than feeling this sense of euphoria, to be really honest with you, what I felt was a an immediate sense of responsibility because I was like, oh my gosh, like this is big league, you know, like this is, this is like professional level, 
writing and not that not having a book in a bookstore doesn't mean you're a professional, but having a book in a bookstore means typically you've worked with a big publisher. They've put money into the project. They've entrusted you with this and you've, you've been through all their process to the extent where like real bunny has been involved with this and real business mechanisms and all that stuff. And rather than feeling the sense of like, yeah, I've made it. I felt a sense of, wow, like I'm, you know, the books on end cap next to books by William Shatner and Matthew McConaughey and all these other big names. And I was like in Oprah in Dolly Parton. And I was like, Oh wow. Like I really have to step up my game here because now this is the big leagues and I've, I've got to, I've got to up my game. You've gone pro. I've gone Get pro. Your jersey. <laughs> yeah. What you need is a writer Jersey. I'm a it's professional a writer. Yeah. <laughs> really the only, the, the main value of having that book was now I have something to show my wife that I don't just play on YouTube all day. <laughs> I'm like, here's tangible proof that I don't just watch star Wars analysis videos. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with an occasional star Wars movie nothing, nothing or wrong, video. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> I want a quick plug for your podcast, The Daily Writer. So tell us about that. Sure. Well, the the podcast is a daily show, which means seven days a week, there are episodes. And the whole idea behind The Daily Writer podcast, as well as everything that I do with The Daily Writer branding, the whole idea is that you're not reaching your writing dreams because you're not writing, typically. And this really came about... A few years ago, I was really frustrated with my own progress with writing, and I wasn't doing the things that I, that were important to me. I wasn't writing the books that I wanted to write, and I was just kind of creatively frustrated. And, you know, sometimes in life you have these moments where a light bulb goes off and you realize something that is so obvious that you're kind of embarrassed that you hadn't seen this before. But nevertheless, sometimes we all can't see the problems that are right in front of us. And for me, the problem was that I wasn't consistently writing. I talked about writing a lot. I spent a lot of time around writers. I read writing books, listened to writing podcasts, went to writing conferences, but yet I wasn't consistently doing the work to actually produce the books or other things that were important to me. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is the solution. At the same time, I was also kind of frustrated because most of the, the stuff that people talk about in the writing world is marketing and, you know, doing courses and going to conferences and all this other stuff that is about taking the work that you have and making it, making it monetized or making it more successful or marketing it or whatever. But the problem is that you can't market something that doesn't exist. You can't market a book that you haven't written and published yet. And there's, there's not a lot of really good stuff out there about how do you actually get the writing work done? Like, really, how do you get it done? In the midst of a busy life, in the midst of your own stuff that you're going through or a job or having a family or whatever, how do you actually get your writing done in a very practical way that doesn't destroy your life? Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, I think, the magic question. How do, you, how do you be a writer and not have to go to a cave 
for 10 years to write your big novel or whatever it is. I started a podcast called The Daily Writer, and I decided to make it a daily show because, well, it, we're talking about daily habits. And the the way that I decided to structure it was doing basically one interview a week, which I still do that, but also having short daily episodes that were like a little shot in the arm creatively for people. So that's basically the structure of my shows. Six days a week on average, I have little short episodes that are one to two, three minutes long, sometimes a little bit longer that you can listen to You're in and you're out very, very fast. It's one single thought that I'm trying to help you with that day. And then I do an interview also. So that's the basic idea of the podcast. I love doing it. I'm going to put all the links in the episode description for people to find you, but real sure. quick, how can people find you on social media? Where can they get a hold of the book? They can go to uh, go to Amazon, of course. Just type in my name, Kent Sanders, and all my books will show up. You can go to dailywriterlife.com. That is my website devoted to all things Daily Writer. I've got links to all that stuff there. And I'm currently redoing my website. Like literally, that's my project this week is doing my redoing my kentsanders.net website. But it's I've got some older stuff there. But um, when you go there, you'll find you know my books and, and other stuff too. So. Yeah, check all those things out, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, where else am I? Facebook, LinkedIn. Oh, Instagram. <laughs> and I will put all those contacts in the episode notes. Fantastic. I appreciate it. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. You have Absolutely. been a delight to talk to. Thank you. I've had a blast doing this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I want to thank Kent for giving of his time and having such a wonderful chat. I want to thank you, my listeners, for staying and listening to the whole thing. Until next time, I wish you well. <laughs>